Ladies and gentlemen, this is America's Healthcare Advocate. Broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Your guide to protecting your personal health, bringing you simplified answers to the complex questions surrounding healthcare. Everything from cancer to liver transplants, nutrition, exercise, my yoga and Pilates instructor, Dana Goodale, mental health, and even pet care. Dr. Wayne Hunthausen, Westwood Animal Hospital, empowering you to take control of your health and wellness. My very special guest today, Grace Marie Turner, president of the Galen Institute. Welcome back, Grace Marie. Well, Carrie, it's a pleasure to be with you, and I do have to say, you are the most knowledgeable about health policy, just superlative. And now, ladies and gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. And now, America's healthcare advocate, Carrie Hall. Hello, America. Welcome to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA, 150 affiliates strong. Thanks to all of you in our listening audience. Our producer, Mr. Mark Groves. I'm your host, Kerry Hall. This is your show, America. Thank you for joining us and making us one of the most listened to talk shows throughout the United States. If you would like to follow me on Facebook, you can do that at Carrie Hall at C-A-R-Y Hall. That's pretty easy, right? Or America's Healthcare Advocate. Either one of those. There are two Facebook pages. Don't ask me why there are two, but there are. Um, And if you want to go up there, we post a lot of our shows up there and information on these broadcasts. So you can go to either one of those Facebook pages. You can also go to the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. All of the shows are posted up there on podcast. So you're listening to today's show and you want to tell somebody about it. Um, We have Dr. Wayne Hunthausen back in studio with us today uh, doing another show on pet health. So I told you a couple of months ago that we were taking this broadcast and and opening up a little more to different topics. One of them was going to be pet health, pet care, and those kinds of issues. Dr. Hunthouse is is doing this series of shows with me, and he's back in the studio today. So welcome back. Happy to be here with you on this beautiful day. It is a beautiful day. So having said that, um, if you want to go up to the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com, this show will be posted up there. We're going to cover a lot of topics today. If you have questions about health insurance or any health insurance-related issues, As always, 877-385-2224 is the number. Operators are standing by. They will take your calls if it's individual, if it's Medicare, if you're an employer, whatever the case may be. Once again, 877-385-2224 or go to the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. Send me an email. Um, I get a ton of them. I answer every one of them. So uh, feel free to send me an email. If you've got questions or comments, I'd be happy to answer them in any way that I can. All right, so welcome back. Yeah. Okay, so it's before the holiday season. We're just rolling into it here after Thanksgiving and rolling toward Christmas. Um, and what we see, this is kind of interesting because I see this all the time. You know, I drive a lot because we have clients all over the country, North Carolina, Texas, Oklahoma, Illinois, you name it. Um, and we do radio in all these places as well. And one of the things that I noticed is kind of a, a phenomena in, I guess, maybe like the last five or six years is the number of people with dogs in hotels that are traveling. And of course, Dr. They're all service dogs. <laughs> They're all service dogs, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you go online, you buy one of those vests that says service dog, and bingo, they're now a service dog. I always yeah. find that yeah. rather it's amusing. Magic. It's magic, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but, but people are traveling with their dogs. Uh, a lot of the hotels are pet-friendly now. I don't care if you're in a Holiday Inn or you're staying at a Ritz-Carlton, and I've seen it 
at Ritz-Carlton's, and I've seen it at Fairmont's, and I've seen it at Holiday Inn. So um, hotels are letting people bring their dogs. So let's talk a little bit about the challenges of traveling uh, with a dog. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, you know, dogs are part of the family these yep, days. They we, are. You know that. I know that. And yeah. we, nobody wants to leave the kids at home. Right. We yep. can take them yep. along and with you. Mean, I, no one tell what the home would look like when you got back <laughs> well, if you did. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, you, you want to have some preparation when you go out, going to go out in the road with a pet. Uh, you want, I think, a really important thing is to make sure that you have some identification on the pet. Okay, and that's so interesting. You should have a cell phone number, a current cell phone number on the tags that the pet's wearing, and uh, I think even uh, a better idea is to have your pet microchipped. And yep. veterinary hospitals and shelters these days they're they're all equipped to read microchips, and uh, and and make sure that information is up to date. Because it doesn't do any good if you've moved or changed your phone number and they can't get a hold of you. Okay, so explain what the microchip allows the the, the, the owner of that pet. What it, what does it do? The pet wanders off, um, gets out of the hotel room, jumps out of the car, you know, whatever, you know, at a, at a truck stop or whatever the case may be. You come back and he's gone mm-hmm. or she's gone. So what does that chip allow you to do? The, the chip allows uh, the the person that finds the pet or the person that scans the, the microchip to identify the owner. And the way that works is the chip, uh, it's about the size of a grain of rice. And uh, it, when you scan, it'll produce some information. It'll be a number and a code. The code will tell uh, what type of uh, uh, a business uh, is uh, carrying the information. And then the number identifies the pet. And so if you know it's for like example, it's an Avid uh, microchip, then you can, there's an eight, uh, 800 number. You contact the Avid company and say, this is the number that we have on this pet. And they'll say, oh yeah, this belongs to Bob Jones. This is the contact information we have. And they can pair the pet back up with, with the uh, family. Wow, so yeah. that's that's uh, that that that's pretty important. So Greta is microchipped, so we've done we did that with her. I think yeah. we did it with Emma too. Sure, but you don't have to worry about losing the tags or no. the collar. She's you know. got the tags and yeah. she's got the collar, yeah. and she but but you know they do get out of those things or they come off or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. So mm-hmm. the fact that you've got that chip is uh, that that that's that's pretty important stuff. Yeah, because you never know. You're in and out of cars. You're in and out of homes where you're visiting somebody. Somebody might, might leave the door open, and you want to make sure that if your pet, pet gets lost uh, in an area where it's not familiar with that you're going to be able to find it. So you want to have the, your that information is important. Uh, it's also important to bring along uh, health information. You want to have your vaccination record of uh, pet vaccination record okay. available. Uh, the medication. If the pet has a longstanding uh, medical history, maybe some complicated problems, it has diabetes or some type of adrenal disease, it might not even be a bad idea to get a copy of the medical records from the family veterinarian. So if there's a crisis and you go into a veterinarian, they've got all that information right there on recent lab tests and so forth. So they know what medication the pet's on, what tests have been done and so forth. Okay, so what about, you know, just, the, just, just the, you know, you're taking your dog into strange surroundings. This is one of the things that, you know, I, I told you before we went on the air that, you know, I, uh, Lori's getting a brand new vehicle. She's getting a Ford Expedition. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons we're getting it is so that we can take Greta with us and stop putting her with our neighbors next door every time we go on the road. So having said that, one of the challenges is walking those, you know, an animal into a completely different environment. First of all, just for instance, when I bring her to the office and try to get her in the elevator, the first few times I tried to do that, uh, we had some we had some moments there. Okay, yeah. so talk about that and how do you orient? Do you, you know, how do you orient the dog? Uh, or you know to be able to you know they're in totally strange surrounding it's not home anymore yeah. you know how do you, how do you handle that yeah well the, if it's a really travel naive pet the first thing you want to find out is how the pet's going to handle a car 
Right. And so you don't want to just put them in the car and drive eight hours and, and try to figure it out. You know, the pet is uh, adapted to a car. So you want to do some trial rides. And you okay. And just do some trips around town, a little bit longer trips. Uh, you can go to any pet-friendly business that might have an elevator or an escalator where you can introduce the pet to those type of situations. So uh, uh, way ahead of time, expose the pet to things that the pet might be exposed to uh, during, a, during a trip and during travel so it gets used to it. And if there's a problem, then you've got plenty of time to help work on the pet and desensitize it to some of the things that the pet will have to deal with. So we, do, you know, we started doing that with with Greta. We take her to uh, to our yoga and Pilates class, and I take her to the office from time to time on weekends, not during the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, the minute we tell her it's time to go bye bye, she's going nuts. She wants to go. Mm-hmm. So that part of it we've got solved. Yeah. But you know, the, we have not done like a six hour driving trip, which is about the max that we drive. Mm-hmm. The other question is, and this is something that Laura and I were talking about this the other day. You want to go out to dinner. Now, I remember my German Shepherd when we came from California to Kansas City. Um, we stopped at a, this was my brother-in-law and I stopped at a hotel. Um, I, I had tell in the hotel room. We went across the street to a Mexican restaurant. We got a call from the hotel said, your dog is tearing up the room and barking, going nuts. Oh, uh, but I had to go back over. And he, yeah. he, he, didn't, he was in this place. It was strange. He didn't like it. Um, Mm. and that didn't go over real well. So how do you acclimate, you know, how do you get to the point where you, 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 you go to, you're on the road, you want to go out and have something to eat. You don't eat Kentucky fried chicken every night in the room. Mm. Um, although that is a favorite of mine, but having said, (laughs) I shouldn't be saying it here, but anyway, having said that, how do you get the dog acclimated to, we're going to leave the room, come back in an hour or two, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Well, you can do, if you have friends that'll work with you, you can start off by just uh, maybe leaving the, the pet with a friend for a couple of hours when the when the, the person will be there so just getting the pet used to not having you present uh, can be helpful uh, you might take that friend out to dinner some night uh, it's these days it's it's really helpful to prevent extensive damage by using a video camera and yeah, so we, if, if okay. you don't want to if you don't want to have your friends place trashed and so you guys can take off um, follow things on the video camera you see the pets anxious you can get back so that's interesting you said that because we've got video cameras in the house and on the outside of the house. So we mm-hmm. could literally take one of our portable cameras with us because it's connected to my phone, put it in the hotel room. I think you just solved my problem. And I would know if the dog was going crazy or she's, you know, in her bed, relaxed, not having a problem. That's interesting. I didn't think of that. That yeah. might that might definitely yeah. solve the problem. Okay, so there's there are some tips. When you're traveling, uh, make sure that you've got tags with the phone numbers and all the rest of it. If your dog isn't chipped, you might want to think about getting chipped. And here's one I didn't think of that doctor mentioned. Take the medical records because if something does happen and you have to go to an emergency vet service or something, you need to have that information. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HI Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. We'll be right back with more. The doctor is in the house. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HIA Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to our website, America's 
healthcareadvocate.com, americashealthcareadvocate.com. My producer, Mr. Mark Groves, I'm your host, Carrie Hall. Coming up in this segment, we're going to continue this conversation on pet health with Dr. Wayne Hunthausen in studio with me today. His facility is Westwood Animal Hospital, westwoodanimalhospital.com. So if you live here in the Kansas City metro, um, you want to uh, access Dr. Hunthausen. Uh, he is our vet, has been for I don't know how many years, a long, long time, three dogs, Counting, we're on our third dog with Dr. Hunhausen now, so three different dogs we've had with him, and he he has taken care of all of them. And the phone number there, if you want to call, is 913-362-2512, 913-362-2512. They'll be happy to chat with you if you want an appointment uh, or want to go see Dr. Hunhausen, take your dog in for a checkup, whatever you may need to do. Okay, so (laughs) a busy dog is a happy dog when we're on the road. Explain that, will you? Yeah, well, we were talking earlier about keeping not having problems if you want to leave your dog in a hotel room and go out to have something to eat. And so it, pets get they get they get bored and there's nothing to do and so they they, they bark, they they chew and that's that's not that's Hear a problem. the bed spread up, chew on the furniture. <laughs> that's right, right. Yeah. Eat the pillows. Uh-huh. And so uh, you want to keep the dog mentally busy. And so there are a wide variety of toys that you can leave with a pet in a situation like that. And most of them involve some system for carrying food or treats. And the two types that I like, uh, one the one type is uh, one like a Kong toy that's the Kong toy on the inside. The, yes. And to make it last longer, of course, this is more difficult on the road, but you can freeze food in those. And uh, But uh, I'll take a handful of dry kibble, just enough cheese Whiz or peanut butter, canned dog food to barely hold it together. So it's mostly dry food. It's not going to upset the dog's stomach. And then you can pack it in there and it'll take quite a while to get that out if you're able to freeze it in some hotels will yeah. have freezers you can freeze it and it'll take a lot well longer. they've all got the little refrigerators anymore and if you actually mm-hmm. i you know because when i go on the road by myself we i normally i carry a, a small cooler with food in it for the you know at least for the trip out and i will put the ice packs in the freezer of mm-hmm. the hotel little hotel refrigerator in that little top shelf and yeah. it freezes them yeah so you can do that. I mean, it's all all the Holiday Inns, um, almost all of the uh, uh, the the uh, uh, you know the different hotels now have those, and and you, you, you know they're in the room, and you can. So that that's how interesting. I hadn't thought of it. So you, yeah, the Kong toy is perfect because they, they can't. That that takes a lot of work to get yeah. to get it out of. I've done that with a Kong toy, so I know yeah. that yeah. But I like those. And then there's a, another set of toys that are typically. Uh, round or square or egg-shaped that have one or more holes in them, and you can put small treats or pieces of kibble in there, and the pet has to roll it around. And as it rolls, little pieces of food come out, and so that'll make them stick with it a little bit longer. And what I'll do, another little trick on using those type of toys, is I'll always put a couple of big chunks of freeze-dried liver or some nice smelly dog treat in there that's just a little bit too big to come out. And so the pet will empty it out, can't get those last few pieces, get bored, but keep coming back every once in a while and knocking around a few more times to get those last few treats. That's out. great. That 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 is a you know that that that's uh, that, that's really good. That, that I was I was trying to because you, you know Greta's got a box of toys, but you know and and a couple times a day she'll go in there and pull something out and maybe go play with it. But that lasts maybe 10, 15 minutes and she's done. Mm-hmm. Okay, but this is something that's going to last. And the minute you put food in it, you've just changed the whole equation. Right. So that, that's really interesting. So yeah, I know the Kong toys work really well because they've got those holes at yeah. both ends, and yeah. depending on the size of your dog, 
you can put a lot of stuff in the big ones. Yeah. <laughs> You've got a big dog like we do. Yeah. Uh, you know, she's 50, 60 pounds now, so you can, you you know, you you can put quite a bit of goodies in those things. That's yeah. real, that's a great idea. That yeah. and that yeah. will definitely keep them busy. Yeah. Did you use the Kong toys when you're training your dogs? Yeah, all the time. Because they're used for service but, dogs. Yeah, I did. I I did uh, on Tell when uh, Tell was a Schutzen two. A German Shepherd that I took through all the way up to the Schutzen Two program, working dog program, and I and we did use Kong toys for training all yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah, because food is a distraction. <laughs> yes, if you know when you're out working. Yeah, we know on those dogs we never used during you know in, in police work and in as a military dog handler we never used food. Yeah. everything was done on praise and reward, praise and yeah. reward, praise and reward. I don't know if that's changed. But uh, no, we it's, never it's still, did it that it's still way. the same way. A friend of mine uh, trains uh, uh, working dogs and military dogs, uh, and works for the Kong Company. And by the way, do you know where the Kong toy came from? No, I have no Origins. idea. It was originally a. It's a prototype of a rubber bumper engine bumper uh, for a car. <laughs> Yeah, Joe Markham Boy. is the owner of Kong, Kong Company, and he's the one that looked at this and said, "Wow, this would be a good dog toy." Oh, they're amazing and, dog toys. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the, you know, the, I, you know, the first one I had was a, for tell was a great big red one mm-hmm. that you know you could throw that thing down a hill and it would run and he would charge after it and it was like that was the best agility toy I ever had. Yeah, um, and he loved that thing. I mean, he was absolutely nuts for it. So yeah, now they've got a whole series of a whole line of those toys. So a car bumper, how in God's name? Yeah, that's really funny. That's hilarious. you just. <laughs> never know do you that's right yeah 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 pretty pretty interesting pretty pretty amazing actually how all of that works all right let's talk a little bit about pet safety during the holidays because that's another issue you know there's a lot of different kinds of foods around um you know here's one that you know you you know do dogs like to eat chocolate yeah yeah should they eat chocolate no. no. So talk <laughs> a little bit about that. And chocolate those other chocolate can be very toxic, and especially the, the, the dark cooking chocolate. And it only takes about an ounce of that to be toxic for a 30-pound dog. So it's not much. Holy cow. Fortunately, most of the chocolate that's out and around is, is uh, uh, treats and party favors and stuff. It's, it's milk chocolate. And so it has a relatively small amount of chocolate. But this dog can still it's eat still enough of that. It's still not a smart thing no, to no. do. Still, still eat enough of that to be toxic, but it takes a lot more. So you got to be really careful about chocolate. Raisins uh, are toxic. Raisins? Uh, yes, raisins and grapes. And and uh, we don't exactly know the uh, uh how, exactly how it affects the kidneys, but it can cause kidney failure in some dogs. So here's and, a story about kidney failure. I love poinsettias, and we had three cats. And one of the cats, Katrina, liked to eat poinsettias. Next thing you knew, we were at the emergency animal hospital because she had kidney failure because she ate the poinsettias. So it, why are those poisonous? I don't know if they're poisonous to dogs. I know they're poisonous to cats. They're more likely to cause gastrointestinal problems in okay. dogs rather, rather than be fatal. Uh, but uh, another uh, plant that can be really fatal for cats and is uh, lilies. Yes. The bulbs of some lilies can be very, yep. very poisonous. That was another one that she got into, yeah. interestingly enough. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, there's some other foods that are interesting. That uh, macadamia nuts, those really? are, those are toxic. Uh, raw onions and um, garlic are toxic. Also, now, why a dog would eat enough garlic to poison itself? You know, of well, course, oh, dogs will eat. Yeah, well, well dogs so will eat you anything. Give, you, you know, a lot of people give their dogs leftovers. I mean, my sister does that all the time with her dog, and I that's not something right off right off the table. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm a big proponent of not doing that. But having said that. Um, that dog kind of eats what they eat in a lot yeah. of instances. And, you know, if you cook with garlic and it's in the food, 
they're going to eat it. Yeah, cooked garlic not so bad. The raw garlic is is what's really dangerous. Okay. Yeah. How interesting. Yeah. yeah you know the, the the other thing I guess to watch is specifically at you know if you've got kids and the kids are eating candy, you don't want them giving candy to the dog or to the cat because especially if it's chocolate because it could and, be a real problem. And especially if it has xylitol in it. Xylitol is very toxic, and that can be in some gum products at high concentrations uh, and uh, some uh, baked goods. Interesting. There you have some tips on what you don't want your dog eating over the Christmas holidays. We're going to be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HI Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. You can go to our website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. This show will be posted up there if you want to tell somebody about it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more. Welcome back to America's Healthcare Advocate. You're listening to our show today as we broadcast across the country on the HIA radio network. My producer, Mr. Mark Groves, I'm your host, Kerry Hall. Coming up in this segment, we're going to continue this conversation with Dr. Wayne Hunhausen, uh, our vet here in Kansas City, Missouri, although we're broadcasting this coast to coast. So if you do want to come in here from North Carolina and see Dr. Hunhausen, he'll be happy to see you. However, if you're in the Kansas City metro um, and you want to visit with Dr. Hunhausen about any of these things we've talked about um, or visit the Westwood Animal Hospital, the website is westwoodanimalhospital.com, Westwood Animal animalhospital.com. The phone number 913-362-2512, 913-362-2512. They've got a great team of vets and vet techs and all kinds of folks over there that uh, do take great care of your pet, whether it's a dog or a cat or whatever. Uh, they, they have the ability to do all of those things. And they do a really good job of it. So let's talk about one of my pet peeves. People that bring dogs on airplanes that shouldn't be bringing dogs on airplanes because they don't have any control over the dog. Yeah, well, being on a plane can be a real stressful situation. And unless a dog has been trained to right. deal with unusual situations, right. uh, what might happen? The pet might be nervous and snap. It might be nervous and eliminate. Uh, they're just you mean, use the bathroom on the plane. The ba- yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> the yeah. Fly way no, of saying that. that. That's going to go over really big. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. With and the so, guy sitting yeah. next to you in the middle yeah. seat. So it's really not fair to take a dog that's that's really not been tested or in in situations like that or trained to be in unusual situations and be calm and non-reactive, uh, because you're not sure what it's going to do, and it's not fair to the people around you. No, it's not, and it's funny. A couple of stories. One is on the last trip that uh, Lauren took when she went to California, there was a military dog handler getting on with his mm-hmm. Belgian Malinois. And mm-hmm. she struck up a conversation with him, talked about the fact that I'd been a dog handler and all the rest of it. And that dog had uh, had its own seat on the plane and was, I mean, you you would have never known the dog was on the plane. But mm-hmm. that was a trained military working dog. And I was on a flight uh, sometime last year, and a woman had a big German Shepherd. And he was either a cadaver dog or some type of a real service dog, not mm-hmm. one of these online fake service dog vests that you get and put on your chihuahua yeah, yeah. You, know, to, you know, to tell everybody it's a service dog. Um, but, but you know, the, when people bring these dogs on the plane that, A, don't know what they're doing, and, B, they don't have control over the dog, uh, you can have some incidents with that. Right, right. And, and, and it just doesn't make a lot of sense. So let's talk a little bit about the other way uh, that people, you know, um, for instance, when we got Greta as a puppy, the, 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 the breeder that we bought her from up in Michigan had literally had a, a woman who was an airline attendant who worked with him. Put her, carried her on a plane, 
and flew over to Kansas City, and I went to the airport and picked up the dog from the, the from the lady who uh, carried the little puppy on the plane, and she had her in a you know some kind of a carry deal, and and that's how she was transported. The the the, the issue is transport. What I'm getting at here is transporting dogs in cargo holds. How, there have been all kinds of horror stories about that dogs that have died. How safe is that, and what people should know if they try to do that? Yeah, the, the percentage of fatalities is not real high. But it, there's danger there. And myself, I'm not comfortable. No, I'm uh, not either. We did it in the military all like the that. time. Yeah. But right. that was a different deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if, if at all possible, you look for another means of transport. And uh, you, there's some, some trains you could take. I didn't, that's interesting. Car. I did not know that. Uh, if you if you have, want to make the investment, there are private plane services. That'll that, that's a little dogs. much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get a so private those, plane for my dog. No. Yeah. So, those, so those, those, those are other, other, op- other options. But uh, I think uh, traveling uh, in, in, the, in the cabin is certainly going to be the safest thing. That's not going to be for all dogs because there's, there's size limits. Yeah. And if you're planning on taking your pet and you're going to uh, fly in the cabin, first of all, you want to call ahead and make a reservation because they'll only have lost so many dogs per cabin. So you're going to make a reservation. I didn't know that. How interesting. Yeah. And there are some airlines that have breed re- restrictions. So you're not so going to bring a that, Rottweiler on. That that Probably be, not going to bring a Staffordshire Terrier, otherwise known as a pit bull. That's, that's certainly possible with some. So you want to call ahead and know, and you know what you're dealing with. Uh, you want to make sure that you uh, book a nonstop flight, not just a direct flight. A direct flight means you go directly on the same plane, but it might make a stop or two on the way. So you want to book a, a nonstop flight, uh, preferably in the morning. Uh, and oh, preferably on a non-busy day, maybe a day or two before or after the busy times for, for, for the Probably holidays. not good to do this on Christmas Eve. Probably not. <laughs> That's crazy <laughs> enough without worrying Thank about you. your pet. Yeah, yeah, and a bunch of angry people because you've got a yapping, snapping dog or who uh, you know has chose to use the bathroom on the plane. Yeah. All right, so much for holiday travel. Let's switch gears and talk a little about some things. So Lori and I um, you know, uh, had an occasion where we uh, came home one evening, had dinner, and we're getting ready to sit down dinner, and all of a sudden Greta literally just kind of fell over on the floor, and we immediately knew something was dramatically wrong. Uh, got up, uh, went over, put my hand on her chest, and her heart was just going bang, 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 bang. So she was suffering from tachycardia. Right. Um, and immediately scooped her which, up. Which is an abnormal rapid heart rate. Correct. Mm-hmm. It, it scooped her up and got her to Mission Med Vet here. Uh, got her in there. 30 minutes later, the, the vet tech came out and said we gave her a medication. She's under control. We're going to keep her here overnight for a study. Let's talk. Now, she's a boxer, and boxers have heart problems. Mm-hmm. And now she's on a regimen of medication she takes every day. She's fine. She runs. She plays. She does everything. Let's talk about that whole cardiovascular issue. What breeds are susceptible to it? And how do you know? You know, we were fortunate. I had some idea what was going on here. But how do you know if your dog is having that kind of an issue? Well, there, there are uh, two types of, t- of heart disease you, that you usually see. You see uh, uh, problems that are associated with, with um, uh, the anatomy of the heart in regard to um, uh, muscle muscle problems or valve problems, and then you have electrical problems like your like she had, and uh, the electrical problems uh, caused arrhythmias, and that's a right. problem with the rhythm. It could be too fast, could be too slow in some cases. Uh, could could be uh, abnormal in in cadence, rapid slow, rapid slow, um, and when the p- 
heart is beating really fast. And normally for a for a large breed dog, you expect a heart heart rate of maybe 100, 120, somewhere in that in that range. And some of these dogs will hit up around 200, 200. Yep. And it's beating, contracting so rapidly, it can't the heart can't push the blood forward and get the oxygen to the brain and the rest of the body. And so you have no oxygen in the brain, and the pet passes out. And that's what and that, that's, that's exactly what, that, what happened with that, her. That, that, yeah. That's what she did. Yeah. And so it has to do with electrical conduction ab- abnormalities. And and uh, there's medication. Just she's, she's on, a med on now. medication yeah. that will slow the heart down and, and stabilize that rhythm. Uh, in humans, there are a variety of uh, surgeries that can be done. We're, we're not doing that these no, days. No, not yet. But uh, pacemakers are available. Now, that's interesting. Uh, I did yes. not know and that. So, so with some types of uh, rhythm problems, a pacemaker might help. And so uh, a, a veterinary cardiology, cardiology surgeon can place one of those. That's interesting. Yeah. So let, let, let's <clears throat> switch and talk about another issue. And this is funny, too, because I keep going back to gratitude. We'll do it quickly. Um, she jumps in and out of my truck in the back seat area. If we fold the seat up, <clears throat> we have a big uh, area. It's a four-door truck. Notice the other day, after she got out, she started limping about you know two or three hours later. So I brought her in to, mm-hmm. to, to Westwood Animal Hospital, mm-hmm. saw another vet. I can't mm-hmm. remember the lady's name. Dr. Uh, Weiss. Dr. Weiss. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, you know, you, it's okay for her. And I picked her up and took her out and brought her in. I didn't let her jump. Mm-hmm. She said, well, it's not going up in the truck that's the problem. It's when she jumps out. She's putting all that weight on this front. Front leg problem. And, and yeah. she may have osteoarthritis, et cetera, et cetera. She said, mm-hmm. you need to start giving her, I think it was collagen. I can't remember. Glucosamine. Glucosamine. That's yes. what it was. Yeah, right. glucosamine. Right. Mm-hmm. So we started giving her glucosamine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So talk about that because you don't think about that with dogs. And I thought, oh, my God, she broke, you know, and it turned out that that's what it was. And she's fine now. But So talk a little bit about yeah. that. Yeah, glucosamine uh, is a, uh, a product that will increase the uh, – uh, the health of, of, of joints, and it, it affects the cartilage and the secretions in, in the joint. And it doesn't help with all types of arthritis, but it's inexpensive in in most cases. Some some products are more expensive than the others. Big bottle of Costco, I don't know what it was, yeah. 8 or $9? Yeah. It's not a big deal. And uh, it's very safe. Yeah. And so if you're going to try that, if your pet is showing some chronic lameness, often the most common problem we see is hip dysplasia, and the pet right. becoming stiff and slow in the rear end, uh, it's worth trying. And I would like to see results within about four to six weeks. Okay. If you see results in that period of time, then I'd stick with it. If you don't see any results at all in that period of time, and you've not made any other changes in, in the exercise, daily exercise and so forth, uh, then... Uh, uh, probably is not going to help, and there's no sense spending the money. Yeah, you, but it was interesting because it's not one of those things you think about with dogs, right? And I'm like, well, we're really? real similar. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we are. We're it's really kind similar. of funny. Yeah, yeah, a lot more similar, I guess. Yeah. Sometimes than we actually think we are. But arthritis is a big problem in dogs, and there's a lot of reasons. There could, you know, well, especially in, in, large breed dogs. Large, I mean, oh yeah, German Shepherds are notorious for dysplasia. I mean, right. Tell had it. Um, and it was the thing that finally we had to put him down because it got so bad he couldn't walk. Yeah, it, and, and, it's, and we it's, had him on meds. We did everything under the sun, yeah. and he made it to about eleven. Yeah, and that was yeah, it, that was amazing. He got that yeah. far, but he did. It, it's rough. And it, what hip dysplasia is? It's a malformation of the joints, and so the hip joint normally is a tight ball and socket type of joint. Right. And then what happens? These dogs that have this problem is there's malformation. Either the head of the uh, femur is not shaped right or the, the uh, uh, part of the joint in the hip that it fits into uh, is real shallow, and so you get a lot of movement. And over time, this movement causes the cartilage to erode away from the joint until eventually you just have raw bone against raw bone. And that's, as you saw in that dog, it's they're miserable. Yeah, they are. And, you know, they, and we're, we're running out of time here real quick, but, I, you know, the other thing is I think, you know, he did a lot of obstacle course work, and I, I think that probably over the years had an effect on him. You just, know, for, yeah, athletes have more problems. Yeah, 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 that, yeah. and that, 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 that was definitely the case. All right, when we come back, 
to the break. We're going to wrap it up with our last segment here. We've got Dr. Wayne Hunthouse in studio. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HI Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the Fruited Plain here on the HIE Radio Network. You can find out more about us going to our website. By the way, this show is posted up there. So if you want to tell somebody, hey, if you're traveling, you know, over the holidays, maybe it's your kids coming to town or you're going or whatever the case may be, you want to tell them about all the things Dr. Hunthausen described that you need to do. Go up to the website. The podcast is posted up there. So Dr. Wayne Hunthausen in studio with me, Westwood Animal Hospital here uh, in the Kansas City, Missouri Metro. The website for the hospital is westwoodanimalhospital.com, westwoodanimalhospital.com. He is our vet um, and has been for a long time. Phone number if you want help, uh, 913-362-2512. You'll speak to the lovely Emily. More than likely. You sure will. Yes, you will. 913-362-2512. They are happy to help you. So let's talk about an issue that, you know, again, I keep going back to boxers because our last three have been boxers, but um, cancer. Um, It just seems to be prevalent uh, in certain breeds of dogs, boxers being one. Mm -hmm. The last one that the last of our dogs that passed from it was Emma. And I think, how many surgeries did you do on her? Probably about four or five, I think. At least her. four or five. Yeah. But mm-hmm. we extended her life by three years mm-hmm. by catching. We were very cognizant of that stuff. Um, and the minute we saw them, you know, we had her into you, and you were able to do the surgery and get tumors out, yeah. and it extended her life for a significant period of time. Yeah. So what other breeds, boxers were definitely prone to it. What other breeds are prone to cancer? Well, uh, osteosarcoma, that there's a predilection in giant breeds. Okay. That's a really rapid. So mastiffs? Yeah, mastiffs, Great Danes. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Uh, in uh, uh, boxers, bulldogs, they have a high incidence of mast cell tumors uh, and um, uh, lymphoma is common in those two okay. breeds. Uh, some of the smarts, uh, uh, some of the small breeds that have the smushed in faces of brachiocephalic dogs, uh, they have a higher than normal incidence of brain brain tumors. Okay, so it's like pugs. Um, yes, uh, 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 the the Boston's Boston Terriers. Boston Terriers. Uh, what's that? What's that? Uh, the little bulldog. The little uh, French bulldog. French bulldogs. French bulldogs. Yeah. 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 Um, and then one thing that the type of cancer that is have that females have is breast cancer. That, now that's I saw that in the show notes and I was like, seriously? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I had no idea. Yeah. And the interesting thing about that <clears throat> is that uh, if you spay a dog before it goes into its first heat period, the right. incidence is less than one percent of get developing breast cancer. If you wait till the pet goes through three or four. Uh, uh, heat periods or up to about two years of age, that incidence drops all, uh, increases all the way up to twenty percent. So that that's we've always our last three have been females. Yeah. We switched to females when we went to the boxers, and um, we always had it done before the first heat. Mm-hmm. I did not know that though. So yeah. that that's a remarkable. I guess you could say side benefit, if you will. I'd say it's the most important benefit, probably. Yeah, probably. Because I had no idea that that was even an issue. Yeah, 
Yeah, and it's a it's a real devastating tumor. It metastasizes uh, to the lungs very readily, and early and with this, like with any other uh, types of cancer, early detection is really important. So, so that's how what, do you do that? How do you do an exam on well, a dog, to a breast exam on a dog? It's, it's it's pretty simple. Every dog that comes in gets a I'll, I'll do a breast exam. I know you do. Part, yeah. part of the examination, and you just palpate along the the chain of nipples and breast tissue along the along the abdomen. And what I'm looking for is I'm looking for small little hard BB type masses near the nipples. But I don't. You can do that at home. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. And yeah. I recommend uh, to my uh, clients that they do that. That they go home and and um, every month or two, and they're rubbing the dog's belly. Just take a little time and rub it along the nipples and look for any unusual growth there. And if they find something. They may not know exactly what the anatomy is there. Uh, but if they find something they, this month that they didn't feel last month, then they can bring it in and we can check it. Well, that was one of the things, and I have to give my wife Lauren credit for that. That was one, She does that constantly. I mean, she's, I mean, we just had Greta, and she had a little thing on her head, um, and it turned out to be nothing, and it's gone now. Mm-hmm. But every time we see something like that, mm-hmm. because they're so prone to it. So you do have to be aware of that, and you right. do have to pay attention to it. And if mm-hmm. you do, if you catch it early— how much better, you know, is the prognosis by getting it right away than, you know, letting it, you know, move on and, and metastasize and become a big issue? Yeah, it's so much better. That, that's the key. The earlier you can get something out that's, that's malignant or has potentially malignant, the better off you are. And and uh, I, I recommend that, that, that families do their own veterinary exams at home. I mean, they should come in once a year for, okay. for, for uh, yeah, adult yeah. dogs and young dogs yeah. and probably every six months for geriatric dogs. But you can do the same things that you see your veterinarian do uh, in the office. You can feel for the lymph nodes under the uh, on, around the neck area, in front of the shoulder blades, uh, and back of the knees. You can you can palpate for tumors. You can palpate for changes under the skin, looking for other tumors. You can look in the mouth and look for signs of, kind of any dental problems. Uh, so I, I like to have the family on my team as far as providing good health care. So the owners can do a lot at home as far as early detection for a wide variety of problems. But you have to be aware of it. Even and pay attention to yes, it. You have to do, yeah, you got to get do hands-on regularly enough that you know what your dog feels like. And if there's a change, you can note that and bring that to the attention of your veterinarian. Yeah. And, and as I said, you know, my wife is uh, quite remarkable that every time that, you know, we even think there's something going on with Greta, we know. Um, talk a little bit about uh, the needle biopsy thing and some of those things, because we, that was, you've done that a number of times with our dogs. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and how does that work in determining whether you've got a, a significant cancer issue or it's a benign tumor and it's nothing? Sure, sure. So you find a tumor. So the question is, is it something benign uh, or is it something more serious that has to be addressed immediately? And there are a number of things you can do. If it's a, if it's a raw uh, tumor and growing lesion, you can do a, a, a uh, a smear. You can put a, a slide on it, and some of the uh, wet material will come off, and you can stain it and look at it, look at it under the, under the uh, scope. Uh, if it's a solid tumor, you can do a fine needle aspirate, and with that, what we'll do is we'll insert a needle, and with a with a, a syringe, suck out some cells with the needle, put that on a slide, and we can have that stained and sent into a veterinary pathologist, and they can read that. The nice thing about that is uh, you, it doesn't require any sedation. It just takes about a minute to, to do the you procedure. You did that with Emma a number yeah, of times. Yeah. It's, it's really the, the only downside is about maybe 30 percent of the time or so you might not get a diagnosis because you get a small sample ultimately uh, if you're not sure then the gold standard is to do a do a biopsy you take the mass out of it small enough or you get a chunk of it uh, so you can send it to the pathologist and tell have them tell you what it is 
A lot of information there, folks. Um, you know, Dr. Hanhouse in studio with us. It's always a pleasure to have him here. Thank you for doing this today. I think we educated folks on a lot of things, including travel with their dogs, yes. <laughs> that, which is pretty good. All right, folks, that's it for today. And now um, I leave you with this thought from Dr. Martin Luther King. Americans must learn to live together as brothers and sisters, or we will surely perish together as fools. Thank you for listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Goodbye, America.